Jennifer Raylene Casper Ross was a 30-year-old from Reno, Nevada. She was a showgirl and mother. At 5.30 in the morning of May 5th, 2005, Jennifer showed up at her mother's work in an agitated state. Her mother wasn't there. Jennifer then kicked off her shoes, jumped a fence, and ran off. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. I spend a lot of time in my bare feet. Maybe that's not a surprise, given that I work from home, I live in a warm climate, and I don't have any children who might leave stray Legos on the floor. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, I forgot something on the disc golf course, but I was already back at my condo. I didn't even bother to put my shoes on, but I just jumped in my car drove back over there, walked around in my bare feet through the dirt, leaves, and twigs until I found what I forgot. People probably thought I was homeless. Whereas my dad, he wears shoes in his own house. I don't get it. That feels so official to me. It's like, relax, man. And a friend of mine, when she was here last year, She would only walk around my place in her socks. So I guess she kind of split the difference between me and my dad. Well, in the disappearance of Jennifer Casper Ross, she seemed to be having some sort of mental breakdown. Her mother's co-workers tried to calm her and get her help. But instead, Jennifer threw down her shoes and jumped a fence. Then she was gone. And we're left to figure out what happened when Jennifer went barefoot in the dark. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Good's website, charlieproject.org. Jennifer Casper Ross was intelligent, wicked smart, doing well in school, but she had another passion, dance. Jennifer grew up to become a showgirl in a long-running production in Reno. This is what she thought she was supposed to do with her life. Yet, Jennifer knew she couldn't do that forever. So she began to take higher education classes to prepare for her next career. She also got married to a man who also worked in the show. But then Jennifer broke her tailbone during a performance. And despite having a child, everything was downhill from there. She developed a bipolar condition. Jennifer became addicted to drugs and alcohol, and her marriage was collapsing. And before Jennifer disappeared, she began exotic dancing to make ends meet. So just after midnight of May 5th, 2005, Jennifer showed up at the Peppermill Casino on her own after a fight with her husband, Sean. During those next few hours, a man there supplied her with drinks, but Jennifer eventually left alone taking a taxi to her mother's employer, a taxi company. 
seemingly drunk and distraught, Jennifer stumbled into the office at about 5.30 a.m. Her mother wasn't there. Unable to calm Jennifer down, the dispatchers and drivers watched as Jennifer threw down her high heels, ran to the back of the lot, then scaled a chain-link fence. She was never seen again. Her mother, Carla, didn't find out about any of this until 36 hours later when she got a call from Sean at almost the same time as Carla was beginning to hear the same story from her taxi company co-workers after a few days off. Jennifer's disappearance is another example of a case where someone claims a missing person just walked off, yet nobody saw the person walking. The difference in Jennifer's is there is no reason to believe anybody at the taxi company is lying. In fact, much to the contrary, everyone is sure they are telling the truth. So these questions remain. Number one, why didn't people see Jennifer on the streets that early morning given that Reno is kind of a 24-7 city? Number two, is it possible that Jennifer made it home and something happened there? And number three, what are we to make of a recent post by Jennifer's grown son regarding what his father has told him about Jennifer's disappearance over the last 15 years. Jennifer's mother and others believe she met with foul play, although there is no proof of that at this time. The guest for this episode is Jennifer's mother, Carla Brown. Unfound news. Here's the schedule for the next couple weeks of Unfound. Next Friday, August 28th, I will be conducting the 6th update episode. Lots to talk about. Then, September 4th, we will celebrate the 4th anniversary of Unfound by replaying the very first episode, The Disappearance of Suzanne Lyle. This episode will also contain a new summation, along with some reflections on the last four years. Next, as I stated a couple weeks ago, I'm going to go back through all of Unfound's episodes and see which ones could benefit from producing a map or route video on YouTube. Well, I've made the list. It's extensive. So it will take some time to get through all of them, but be looking for those new videos soon. Finally, myself and the assistants are getting close to our first meeting regarding the new project, the Unfound Roundtable. The get-together will take place August 31st, I will let you know how it goes. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Deezer, Facebook, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us on our podcast channel for the Unfound live show. All of you can talk with me and I can answer your questions. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. This week, I need to thank Louise. You can also contribute at PayPal, paypal.me forward slash unfound podcast. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the mother of Jennifer Casper Ross, Carla Brown. Carla, welcome to Unfound. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Let's start here. Of course, Jennifer is your daughter. How many 
uh, children do you have, and where does Jennifer fall in that line? I have four children, one daughter and three sons. Jennifer is my oldest. Wow, so she was your first, she was first, she was a girl, and then you had three boys after that. Yes. Okay. Uh, how did she handle having, uh, how did she handle having three brothers, younger brothers? She loved it. Yeah? They fought, of course, but she loved it. She was, she was good with it. Especially her and my oldest son, Jake. They, they're the closest. They were the closest. How many years separate them? Two and a half. Oh, that's not bad. But as children, as children, they spent more time together than her and my two younger ones. Okay. How much of an age uh, difference is there between Jennifer being your oldest and your youngest? How many years? Um, there's 45 days from there being exactly 10 years apart. Wow. Okay. So when she was she was 10, you had your uh, your last son there. She was 20. He was 10. Okay. All right. Not 10 years difference. Not uh, not unusual at all. And then there's two in between there. And you said uh, mainly that Jennifer was. Uh, closest with her oldest brother, um, and what's his name? Jacob. We call him Jake. Jake. Okay, Jennifer and Jake. Okay. All right, so you have uh, four children, one daughter, three sons, and uh, let's just talk about Jennifer. Jennifer, um, what was she into as a little girl, you know, to becoming a teenager? I know she eventually, of course, became a dancer in uh, some shows there in Reno, but did you get her into dance? Uh, early, or is that something she took up later? How do you remember it? Um, her dad got her into dance when she was seven. Jennifer loved science. Science, um, when she was in first grade, she won a science contest because she knew what the rotten onion was. She always loved science and huh. animals and dancing. Science, animals, and dancing. Where do you think she got the uh, scientific interest from? I really don't know. Please. It kind of surprised me, too. It kind of surprised you? Yeah. Okay. So uh, neither yourself nor her father uh, much into science? That was just something she gravitated toward? Yes, pretty much. I mean, I like science. I like scientific things, but I'm not as smart as Jennifer. <laughs> okay. She was a... Yeah, that's right. You and you've told me on numerous occasions she was a very intelligent woman. Very intelligent. She graduated uh at the age of fifteen. About the same time she graduated dance. She became a professional ballerina at the age of fifteen. Wow. Before that she had been in a few beauty pageants. She had been little Miss Idaho, Little Miss Rocky Mountains, um runner up second runner up in the Little Miss America Beauty Pageant. And then she went to Las Vegas after she, well, she went to Birmingham, Alabama first, and she tutored ballet dancing down there at the uh, School of Fine Arts in Birmingham. And then she went back out west, and she got a job in Las Vegas at the American Superstars. And right after that, Greg Thompson hired her. She was 19. She was the youngest dancer Greg Thompson had ever hired. Wow. So she was uh, smart, uh, and you got to be fairly athletic uh, to be a dancer, and, and she was a great dancer as well. Yes. Wow. Yes, she, and gymnastics. She has to be, you know, into the gymnastics as well. Mm -hmm. um, she worked for she worked for Greg Thompson for, for 10 years. 
Wow. Okay. Uh, does it did it surprise you that she ended up being a professional dancer? I mean, I know you know. Of course, my impression is a lot of uh, little girls get into dance. Of course, they move on to other things, and only a very small percentage of them ever dance. Um, you know, in a Vegas show or something like that. Did it surprise you that she eventually became a professional dancer? Yes and no. I knew she had it in her, um, but like you said, whether she would have stayed with it and pursued it. So I was very proud of her and very pleased that she did, you know, choose to mm-hmm. stay with the dancing. She loved it. She was very, very good at it as well. Okay. Did you, uh, when she was doing these, uh, you know, what we call Vegas shows, it doesn't necessarily have to be in Vegas, but, you know, the kind of uh, showgirl type of show maybe, did you go see her often in these shows? I did get to see several of them. I didn't get to go often because I lived in Tennessee, but uh, mm-hmm. I went out there when she first started, and I went to 29 shows in 11 days. It was pretty cool. That was my first experience. I loved it. I just fell in love with it. And then, fortunately, my husband was a truck driver, and uh, we got to go through there frequently, and so then I'd get to just surprise her. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot of people know I was coming. So... Because of his driving truck, yes, I got to go see her several times. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that you were uh, very supportive of her. Were you the type of mother that would say to, like, the people sitting around you, like, that's my daughter up there, that's my daughter up there? Huh? Oh, yes, absolutely, absolutely, okay. yes. Um, in fact, one time these people kind of got offended because um, at Harris, um, in Reno, Sammy showed them they had a family show and then they had an adult show where they would go topless. Yeah. And he blasted with them and they always asked if you'd ever see one. And of course I'm going to say, yes, my daughter's in there. And they asked me to point her out and then they went and said that they felt uncomfortable. But I seen them at the show the next night too. So it, always, it was all good. Okay. All right. So you were very proud of her. You got to see her uh, many times. And how how long was she what you would call a, a showgirl? She got into it, how old, like did you say 19 years old? And how long was she what we might call a showgirl doing those types of stage shows? For 10 years. For 10 years. Wow, okay. It was for Doug Thompson for 10 years. Okay, great. All right, so she was doing that. To Reno. Please. I had moved out. I had moved out to Reno, and I started going to the casino and watching my grandson in the dressing room. Oh, okay, that was pretty cool because okay. we could still go to the shows as well. Right. Okay. Now, of course, she unfortunately she disappeared when she was thirty years old. Do you think that this was something that, um, you know, we'll get into the you know the situation she was in before she disappeared, but, um. Do you think that uh, she would have gotten eventually back into uh, showgirl dancing, or do you think that she was maybe going to move on to other things at the age of 30? She was definitely going to move on to other things. She was going to college. Jennifer was uh, taking uh, physics and biochemistry. First, she wanted to be a vet, and then she changed her mind and wanted to be a scientist. She went to school all three years that she was at the UNR. She went on a NASA scholarship. And she was also in the Dean's book for um, her grade her grade average. She had a mm-hmm. nearly perfect grade point average. Wow. Okay. In physics and biochemistry. All right. So she had already made plans to, you know, because she told me, she said, Mom, a life dancer pretty well is over at 35. 
That's true, and I think of uh, you know having lived in Las Vegas for thirteen and a half years, and I worked in entertainment for about uh, nine of those years, and I worked in some live shows and worked with uh, showgirls. You know, they all know you can't do that forever. You know, your body's going to give out, and you start pulling muscles and things. You have to have a backup plan, and it sounds like Jennifer did have a backup plan, and it sounds like she had a pretty good head on her shoulders. Very intelligent woman. That's great. Now, let's uh, also talk about this. During the course of her doing uh, these shows, uh, she met uh, the guy who eventually, I think, became her husband. His name is Sean. How did they meet? Through the show. He was the sound and light man who adjusted the lights and stuff like that when they would dance. That's how they met. But uh, okay. she had been dancing for a little while before she had met him. All right. She started dancing in 1995, and she, her and Sean did not get married until 2001, I believe. Okay. And how did you feel about, um, once again, we'll give you, it's going to, of course, be a, a considerable part of this discussion here uh, before it's all done, but the two met when she introduced him to, her, to you. Uh, how did you feel about it? What kind of couple did they make? What did you think? Well, I was in Tennessee when they got married, and I did not even know my daughter had gotten married till three days after she got married. Nobody did. They just went off. And they had a nice cute little wedding up in Lake Tahoe, but nobody knew she had gotten married. She didn't tell anybody. Uh, why do you think that is? I don't know. You never asked her? She just said, yeah, she just said they wanted, you know, just to go do their own little thing. That, that was... Uh, Sean would like that quite a bit, just, you know, family time, family time. He always wanted, you know, we got to have us time. Okay. Like, if, if he was trying to get into something and it wasn't in his plans, it was an intrusion. Okay. So, we, are you saying that when they got married, nobody was there, it was just the two of them? He didn't have anybody from his family there either? I don't believe so. I don't. Okay. Um, I, in the pictures I've seen, no. Okay. All right, so they were together, though, like you said, for about six years? Or how long were they together no. before they got married? No, she had. Uh, she was not with Sean in 99. I know that for a fact. I'm not sure. She had had another boyfriend that she had lived with for a few years. Okay. So I didn't even know that they had split up and she had moved on. They weren't together very long at all before they hooked up. They got married, so... Are you saying is it it could be as short as maybe a year between them meeting and them getting married? Maybe a year? Yes, definitely. All right, maybe so maybe. Okay, so they they met in the year two thousand. Let's let's just say. And they the, had met. Yeah. They had met Ed because through work. Yeah. But they had never. Mm-hmm. Sean had acted to Jennifer the whole time, but Jennifer was already in a relationship, and she just didn't. You know, I she see. Didn't, I see. Now that makes more sense to me. So they were working together, but Jennifer was dating some other guy. Yes. And then they broke up, and then Sean, I guess, maybe saw his opportunity, or maybe she saw her opportunity. We, you know, maybe that's how it went. Okay. So they are, they um, know each other from work, but they don't begin a relationship till 2000. They get married in 2001. Uh, it seems nobody was invited to the wedding. I think a lot of people do that uh, in Reno and Las Vegas, being it doesn't take much to get married in the state of Nevada. Having lived there, I know. All right, so they have a relationship. You don't, but you didn't know Sean that well. I didn't know him at all. 
Didn't know him at all. Okay. All right. And when, um, what were your impressions of him when you did meet him? Maybe after they were married. He was my honest opinion of him when I first met him. I thought he was nice looking. Mm-hmm. I he had a good head on his shoulders. Very intelligent. Very energetic. But very pompous. Very what? Pompous. Arrogant, kind of. A little bit but arrogant. Yes, he thought he was better than me and my sons and my husband because we weren't educated, is what he told me. Mm-hmm. He said none of us you know, were educated. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And very, like we had been there, we stayed at their house. We moved out there and we stayed with them for just like two weeks because this couldn't happen. But uh, he, gave, he got the water bill and he... Uh, he broke it down to all the people that was in the house. They had two roommates. And so he took their, you know, he took, he, he divided the water bill into nine parts. I had to pay five parts of it because I had five in my family. Wow. I said, how am I supposed to, I know. I said, I can't save money and get out of here like this. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I have to say, water bills are usually not that much. Correct. So uh, that's, okay. All right. Okay, um, so how many times would you say that you, between them getting married in 2001 and then her disappearing in 2005, how many times would you say you were around Jennifer and Sean together? Uh, quite a bit. Um, of course, Jennifer Moore, like we had lived there, and then we would go back for, you know, birthday parties and stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. um, sometimes me and Jennifer and Sean would go out to... Well, we went to go see Lou Rawls at another casino, and because um, Jennifer was personal friends with him. And then, you know, we stayed, and we had drinks and stuff afterwards, and we was on our way home, and we stopped at one more little casino, and Jennifer went into the restroom, and when we came back out, Sean had left it. Sean had left? Mm-hmm. We hadn't been, I hadn't been there very long. I found that quite surprising, very disturbing okay. that he would do that. Okay. So you got to see no, him. No, that's... Please. He just—I was—I was so shocked. I said, Jennifer, where did she? Said, I believe he probably left it. And I said, Why would he do that? She said, That's just like him. She didn't go into any more details. Okay. Now they ended up having a a son. His name is Isaac. Yes. All right. Let's talk a little bit about. Isaac, uh, when was he born? He was born um, July 8th, 2002. Jennifer planned him down to the month he was going to be born because he had to be born when she was not in school. Because she didn't want to take time off from school. Okay. And I guess being while she was pregnant, I'm sure she was. And did she have to take time off from uh, her dancing and everything, I'm guessing, when she did this? danced until she was five months pregnant. She was no longer working for Greg Thompson at this time. She was uh, in the adult entertainment industry. All right, we'll get into that. Okay. So this was, in your mind, a planned pregnancy? She wanted to have a son, they wanted to have a son, or a child at least? They didn't. They, uh... I'm not sure if we knew it was a boy or not. Yeah, we knew he was going to be a boy. Um, They didn't care what they were going to have at first. 
that they mm-hmm. were very pleased with Isaac. Okay. Great. Okay, so they have a son in 2002, and he would have been right around three years old when she disappeared. Okay. Two months shy of his third birthday. Two months shy. Okay. So let's move on to this. So we know that uh, she was dancing for Greg Thompson. Uh, She was going to school. She meets Sean through work. They get married in 2001. They have this child in 2002. However, at some point within all of that, uh, she broke her pelvis, which sounds very, very painful. Um, how did that happen? When did that happen, and how did it happen? She was dancing on stage at Harris for Greg Thompson, and she did one of her flips and uh, landed wrong, broke her tailbone, and she could no longer dance for Greg Thompson. She broke her tailbone. And her and Sean, yes, her and Sean had just bought their house. She was going to school, and she needed money to in their marriage, they split everything 50-50. Just like Sean did the water bill, everything was done that way. Everything. Mm-hmm. Jennifer paid for her own car notes. She bought her own clothes. All that stuff. But all the household bills were split down to the penny. What year was that? When when was that that she broke her pelvis? What year was that? Um, 2001. So the same? end of 2001. Wow. That had to be devastating to her. I mean, I know you, when she probably told you, you were devastated, but it had to be devastating to her. Oh, yes, it was. Um, And she had not found out she was pregnant yet when she found out, so it had to be earlier in 2001, um, like not long after she got married, not long after they bought the house. Wow. Okay. How long did that take to uh, recover from that? Um... Well, she, uh... I'm guessing it took a while. Yes. Yes, but she, um... One thing that meant, right... Not long afterwards, obviously, she got pregnant. And, mm-hmm. uh... If you break your tailbone, they say pregnancy will help to heal the tailbone because the baby sits on it for so long. I've never heard that. Okay, so she got pregnant after she broke her uh, tailbone. Yes. Wow. Okay. Not much long after. Okay. I've never heard of that, but I'll take your word on that, Carla. I've never heard of that. Okay. That sounds. That all sounds painful to me, but if you say so, I believe it. Okay. How would you say mentally she handled the the breaking? Once again, we want to clarify. It was her tailbone, not her pelvis. Her tailbone. Yes, her tailbone. Her tailbone. Okay. Pelvis. I'm sorry. Okay. How did how did she how did she mentally handle that knowing that you know she wasn't going to be dancing for a while how did she mentally handle it? Um, she went to work immediately at a club there in uh, Reno and she continued to work there until she was uh, five months pregnant and then Sean told her that he would pay her to stay home and have his baby, which meant he would take care of the household bills and not complain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. But, I, you know, I, I guess what I'm asking is that so she couldn't go back after she had that happen. She couldn't go back into what we might call a regular uh, show. They they didn't allow her back in. She couldn't get that type of work again or what? Not to, not to what she told me, no, sir. Okay. Now, she did, I mean, she still, after she had Isaac, she still did some shows for Greg Thompson because mm-hmm. I watched Isaac. They was hosting the. Price is right when they were looking for a new host mm-hmm. to replace Bob Barker. And uh, Jennifer was one of the beauties. 
They did little games with the audience. And I watched Isaac in the dressing room at that time, too. Okay. All right, so she did get back to it after her tailbone uh, healed. And once again, I don't know how long that would take. I don't know. You know, I'm not a doctor here. Okay, so there's that. Let me ask you about this. And you, I'm going to give you a chance to clarify this because it is out there. Um, you know, in Charlie Project and elsewhere, people places that covered disappearances. But I want you to speak for your daughter Jennifer. Uh, to your knowledge, did she have any what they call uh, any postpartum depression after hi- having Isaac? To your knowledge, no, 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 no. not at all. Uh, never talked to no. you about feeling down, what you depressed or anything like that after having Isaac in two thousand two. No. Okay. He was the love of her life. She cherished that boy. Okay. Because Cherish. we know it's, uh, it's a very uh, popular um, affliction, you know, that women go through. Many many uh, have that, but you're saying that your daughter did not have that happen to her. No. Okay. No. All right. Let's move on to this. Um, did she unfortunately get into drugs at some point? All right, well, let's let's talk about that. How did she get into them? When do you believe that happened? Uh, how bad was it? What would you say? Um, it happened probably in late of 2003. Uh, her and Sean started using cocaine. Mm-hmm. Were you uh, Were you aware of this at the time, or is this something you didn't find out until after she disappeared? I knew about it. You knew about it. How did did she tell you about it? How did you find out about it? Yes, we talked about it. She, she you, told me everything. She Jennifer, you and she talked about it. And Sean and I did as well. Oh, you did. Okay. Yes. Did you know? We'll just uh, speak for Jennifer here, being that she's your daughter. Did she, <clears throat> did she ever talk about uh, going, trying to go to rehab? Did she know that? Maybe she was becoming an addict. What was she telling you about it? Oh, no, not at this point. They just first started experimenting with it. Jennifer wouldn't even hardly smoke pot. She would drink some, but she, Mm -hmm. uh, drugs were really her thing. And then they started doing the cocaine, and then she started doing more and more cocaine. But uh, she went to rehab six weeks before she went missing. Mm -hmm. It was like a mental health rehab type deal. Um, That is where she... uh, was was getting help. Um, mm-hmm. That's where she was diagnosed as being bipolar. But mm-hmm. the only that what was going wrong in her life, Jennifer wasn't happy in her marriage, and okay. she uh, the drug use was starting to cause her. It cost her her last job for Greg Thompson, mm-hmm. and then um, it didn't have when. And they said she was fired from the Adult Entertainment Center for a drug, but it was not like that. Jennifer would have drinks before she would go to work, maybe do some cocaine, but it was so she could get on stage. But she was fired from the Wild Orchid for giving another girl identity. Okay. And we're, we'll certainly get into that. I just want to stick on the the cocaine aspect here. So your 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 idea, your belief is she got into it late in 2003 and that she and her husband, Sean, got into it Together or something like that? They got into it together. Okay. 
And when you talked to her about this, was she worried about, I mean, I'm sure you were telling her that, hey, Jennifer, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And what would she say? Um, but the reason they started doing it, Sean was the one to teach that first, and he said he was hoping it would enhance their sex life. Um, so that's just, that's how it started. Okay. All right, so it sounds to me like Jennifer has uh, had a lot of things going on there in the early 2000s between uh, getting married, breaking her tailbone, uh, having uh, a son. Uh, she's uh, unfortunately started getting into uh, cocaine. She and her uh, husband, uh, Sean, a lot of things going on. So we're going to now move up to the months and weeks before. So we'll just talk about just in general 2005. Um, what was going on, once again, what Jennifer was telling you, what was Jennifer telling you about her and Sean's relationship? Uh, back in 2004, the summer, spring of around 2004, she wasn't happy. They were not doing well at all. They talked about a divorce. They talked about separation. And then they just decided that they would uh, keep the house, be separated on paper, that keep the house together. Sean moved upstairs to the upstairs bedroom. Jennifer kept their bedroom. And they cohabitated like that for the next year. Wow. Did you uh, did you ever go out to see them when they were living under this situation? Did you go see them? I lived with them. I lived with them. Did you? Yes. For how long? So in 2004, 2005, or early 2005, you lived with them? Yes. Okay. Um, to, in 2004, I lived with them, and I was the babysitter. I babysit Isaac. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how did they? What What did you see when you while you were there? Going. What was going on under that roof while you were there? Um, they were both extremely busy people with school and work, and um, the baby. They uh, They both tried to give him time every day. Sean. He was very good. He would take him to the park every morning. He had more energy than anybody ever seen. He came home, put in a little sprinkler system, rode his bike for 20 miles, and then walked to work. Wow. <laughs> so he was very, very, very good. I, and I do believe that he's a, a big reason why Jennifer did go to school. And they would compete with each other. They're both highly intelligent people. And they would literally compete with each other. I was at the I was making something one day, and I needed a cup of flour. Boy, mm -hmm. what a debate a cup of flour could take. Um, we got into volume and mass, and I said, okay, look, y'all can do the mass. Just give me the cup of flour. <laughs> okay. But they was always competitive, you know. They would try to write like each other, and just, they just, at first, they were, they were happy, you know. Okay. Um, even though, even though their marriage was kind of on the rocks. This was before the marriage went on the rocks. Actually, okay. they were still liking each other. Okay, but were you there after they decided to uh, one move upstairs, one move downstairs? Were you there ever there after that? Yes, but not for too much longer. I was there for like uh, three months, probably. No, um, probably a little bit longer. Okay. Um, yes, I was there. For okay. Until uh, May of 2004. Okay. So uh, you were there until about a year before she disappeared? Yes. Okay. How do you think Sean felt about uh, his mother-in-law moving in with them? He was fine with that? Yes, as long as it wasn't the family. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
being that you had mentioned divorce before, even though they were still living together, to your knowledge, did Jennifer uh, ever consult a divorce attorney? Do you think that she had gotten any paperwork, anything like that, to get divorced from Sean maybe sometime in 2005, to your knowledge? No. No. Okay. We had talked about it, and I told her she needed to wait, and she needed to, you know, give it time and just see, mm-hmm. just, you know, see what happens, because right. you never know. Right. You know? Okay. Let's move on to this. Once again, you've already touched upon this. Um, she was a, a showgirl, but as you said, she started getting into ero- exotic dancing, stripping. Um, when did she get into that? Uh, how did you feel about that? I didn't really care for it, but she was very professional at it. She had only worked two days a week, and she would make unbelievable money. Mm-hmm. Um was intriguing to her and she was just going to try to save up that it's going to pay out and they did they paid up on their bills they did a lot of work to the house um and then mm-hmm. the drugs the drugs okay can you uh all right was she would you say that she was uh stripping exotic dancing at the time of her disappearance in 2005 not at that time, no. no. She had just been terminated a week before. She had been per okay, but she was virtually up until the time she disappeared, she was doing that? Um, no, she had gone back up to work for Greg Thompson up to Lake Tahoe, and okay. then she got a little messed up at work and lost her job. Okay. And that's when she went to stripping, but then that didn't last very long either. All right. Now, I want to ask you about those things in a bit. When would you say, what year would you say she started uh, exotic dancing? Um, Just a guess. It had to be the end of 2001 because uh, she was dancing when she was first pregnant or mm-hmm. maybe the first 2002 Okay. No, because Isaac was born in 2002. So it had to be 2001. She was dancing. She had not been dancing long when she got pregnant. Exotic okay. dancing. All right. And do you believe that she did that through 2002, 2003, into 2004? Well, like I said, she went back to work for Greg Thompson. Mm-hmm. Of course, she didn't have to do acrobatics and stuff like that. Um, she did the price right. But in between, she would go back to exotic dancing. Okay. And she would only dance on the weekends. And then I started noticing that she started dancing more. And that, you know, then I figured out in conclusion, that's when the cocaine, her and Sean were already having problems at this time and stuff. Um, Mm. I had moved in and moved out. And she started working more. And, you know, that wasn't like her. She just, like, she would go straight to work, come home, take a shower, and uh, that was it, you know, her and... But when she started dancing more, I started wondering what was really going on. Okay. Um, why do you think that, she, being that she was a showgirl, uh, I'm not going to say that uh, some showgirls don't do some exotic dancing on the side, but why do you think she got into that? Well, she had lost, she had broke her tailbone and she couldn't work for Greg Thompson at that time. And she had that. That's the fastest money. She had just bought the house. She was mm-hmm. going to school. Okay. You know, the scholarship was nice, but it don't pay for everything. And right. Jennifer had expensive case. She was poor. Okay. At the time of her disappearance, how bad would you say uh, that her addiction was to uh, cocaine? And was she getting into any other types of drugs? 
No, just the cocaine and the alcohol. And I wouldn't really say she was addicted to it. It's just something that she felt like she needed. She wouldn't, uh, you know, sell her soul or nothing like that. Mm. She only had one place she got it from, so. Okay. Now, you'd also tell... Please. Sean had then stopped using the cocaine. Okay. When it didn't save his marriage, um, he just quit doing it. To my knowledge. Okay. Uh, you had told me, though, that it, at some point was she diagnosed as being bipolar. Yes, six weeks before she went missing. Was that a surprise to you? No, I'm the one who put her in the hospital. You're the one that put her in the hospital? Yes. What was, uh, maybe you can explain what was going on with her then that, that brought you to do that? Her and Sean had gotten into a really bad argument, and uh, she called me, and I came to the house, and her and Sean had some words, and then Sean left in her car, which I didn't have a problem with. Um, the police had came to that incident, and then Jennifer and I went to her house, and um, she started just acting stranger than I had seen her act, and I just called 911, and I told them that my daughter needed help. And they came, picked her up, and took her to Nine West. I think that's what it's called. And she stayed there for three weeks, and that's where she they put her on the medicine, and she was feeling great again. Wow. Uh, she was, then, uh, they took care of her for three weeks. Wow. Yeah, she went in in February. Um, that's the first week of February, and she got out, I want to say the first week of March. So she's there about a month. Oh, my gosh. And this was in 2005? Yes. Okay. Correct. And so you were you were living near them in Reno somewhere? Yes, I was still in Reno at that time. Okay, so how far were you living from them? About four blocks. Well, not far at all. Okay. No. Okay, so you were living there, and we'll, that'll become more relevant here in a moment. So... How long would you say that maybe you noticed these um, tendencies in her? Is this something that kind of just popped up out of nowhere, or is this something that kind of escalated over time, her behavior? Um, over about uh, through Christmas, and then, uh, yeah, it, just, it really started around Christmas. Right. And... Thing, you know, things just, and then that day, I just knew she had been screaming for help. Nobody had been listening, but Mama knew that day she needed help. I mm -hmm. had to call and get her help. Okay. And she was still being helped. She still had a therapist. She was taking her medicine, um, mm -hmm. doing good with you know, Everything yeah. was fine. She was a little stressed out about money, but not that stressed out. You know, she mm -hmm. still had her education, and there's more things to do than just dance and there's more places to go dancing. Okay. So. Uh, how did she feel about being diagnosed with being bipolar? Is that something you two talked about? Did she know how important it was to take her medicine and everything? Yes, yeah, she um, she liked it. She said uh, um, that she felt better and that she could look back and, you know, hindsight and see that she had been needing the help. Probably should have turned Sean at first, you know, Took the mm -hmm. informal separation. Um, so she she 
all for it, really. Mm-hmm. She, she thrived on it, actually. Okay. And how did Sean, to your knowledge, how did he feel about her getting the help? Did, did he acknowledge, yeah, that she needed it? Oh, of course he acknowledged that she needed it, but he did not support her. Oh, okay. He did not. Um, he didn't go visit her. He didn't, you know, offer to do none of those types of things with her. In fact, when she got out, he told her that she owed him $3,500 for her her time in the uh, hospital. He, she owed him that money for the bills. Okay. All right. All right, so we have a lot of things going on here. She has, uh, she's doing uh, cocaine, relationship not that great. She's been bi- diagnosed with uh, a bipolar condition, which she spent, uh, I guess, a month in a hospital or a clinic, something like that. And this was, you know, and this happened, of course, in 2005, the, the um, year of her disappearance, of course, her disappearance being in May of 2005. So, um... Just an overall type of question here, um, Carla. At the time, you know, maybe getting to beginning of May 2005, um, were you worried about your daughter? Did you think that she was going to see her way um, through some of these things? You know, how were you feeling about your daughter at, like, the end of April, beginning of May of 2005? I felt like things was looking up for her. Her and Sean were... You know, their marriage was pretty well over at this point in time, but they were still social for Isaac. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought she would do, I thought she would get back on her feet and get back on track, get her, finish her education for sure. Um, mm-hmm. she loved her, you know, she loved her child more than anything. She loved her home. I believe, yes, I believe Jennifer, I know she was. She had just, um, gotten braces off of her teeth. She had spent over $5,000 getting her teeth fixed, and her teeth were already pretty. Wow. Like I said, Jennifer likes the better things in life. She spoils herself. She had, she drove a Volvo, but she also had a van. Her house, you know, she was paying for it. She helped put the down payment down on her own. Like I said, Sean did not take care of my daughter. She took care of herself. Mm-hmm. And so she thrived on her independence and her ability to do things. She was very confident in herself. She started to lose her confidence um, right. in herself after she lost her job. And right, but, right, uh, that happens. That happens. Yeah. Okay. And getting older, you know, thirty, but she was still very beautiful to me. Of course. Let's move up to May fourth, two thousand five, and this is something that. Uh, you know, kind of carries over into May 5th, uh, 2005. But we do, what do you know about May 4th, 2005 as to what she did that day, who she saw, who she talked to? May 4th, 2005. Um, she just stayed home all that day. I had seen her just for a minute at Albertson. She was getting her a bottle of wine with her change because she didn't have no money. Um, she asked me if I wanted to come over and have some. I had prior obligations in a very important meeting morning, so I told her I could not come over, and that was the last time I seen my daughter. And what? And so you actually saw her uh, in person. What time of day was that? It was about six, six 
to go home after that, after you saw her? Where did you see her? I saw her at Alberton's, which was just uh, half a block from her house. Okay. So, yeah, and she had Isaac with her. Okay. So you see her on the evening of May 4th, and then um, we'll kind of uh, just do this from your point of view, Carla. Um, When did you... um, maybe figure out or somebody tell you or whatever that Jennifer was missing? Is there something that maybe went off on your mind? Well, I haven't heard or seen Jennifer. What was the first inkling that you had that she might be missing? Um, when I went to work Friday night, I tried to call Thursday, but I didn't get no answer. But that's not all that uncommon. They could be sleeping or, you know, Sean could have had the phone, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but Friday night, I went to work, and I had to be to work at 11. And I hadn't even sat down and my phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was Sean. And he told me that Jennifer was gone. Um, mm-hmm. she, 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 she might be in the river. He thinks, you know, she could be dead. And I said, what do you mean? And then he said, hold up. I said, what? He said, Jennifer's gone. She's missing. She might be in the river. I said, what do you mean she might be in the river? I said, what do you mean Jennifer is gone? And then the other two ladies that I worked with both looked at me, and they were trying to tell me that Jennifer had been there. And I said, oh, I mean, I said, please. And uh, then I got off the phone with Sean. I told Sean I would call him back. And the ladies told me that Jennifer had come in about 5.30, very intoxicated, very agitated. Um, We have to to establish this, Carl. We have to say 5.30 in the morning. Yes. On May 5th. On May 5th. Yes. She had caught a cab from the Pepper Mill Casino, and it's only a three-block ride. Um, When she got out of the cab, she just walked inside, and uh, she knew the owner of the cab company very well. And she got irate with everybody. She said, went there. They wasn't answering her questions fast enough. Went and tell her this. They just said she was very irate, very agitated. And then uh, mm-hmm. she said, I need to know where my mom is. And, and then when they said, she is not here, Jennifer ran out the door, which later, two days later, I guess it was, the, the what they call the road boss, got Jennifer's shoes, and he gave them to me. They said that she had went to the back where somebody had witnessed this and jumped over the fence, and then nobody seen her again after that. All right, so just so we're clear on this. So she got a cab. She was, and we'll get into the casino stuff in a little bit. So she's at this casino by herself, gets a cab ride, and you work for the cab company that she got. Correct. All right, so the cab takes her to the main office of the of the cab company where you worked, but you weren't there. Correct. Okay. And uh, this was on the early morning, like you said, 5.30 in the morning of May 5th, and she's acting a little bit strange. 
Um, do these employees who told you this, did they know she was your daughter? I mean, did they ever, were they ever introduced to her before? Oh, yes. Everybody knew Jennifer. Like I said, she was very good, uh, very good friends with the owner of the cab company. Very good friends. All right, so they know her. She gets, her. See, she gets in there. Um, she seems a little uh, irate, uh, seems um, maybe a little out of her head, maybe a little bit. No, not a little bit. They said very messed up. Very messed up. Very intoxicated. And just got more agitated, more agitated, and more agitated. Okay. All right. And then she runs off. She doesn't have her shoes on. Whether she kicks them off or something, she's in her bare feet. She broke. They were broken. They were broken. She heels out of broke. Yes. Jennifer always wore high heels. Okay. So she breaks them, takes off in her uh, bare feet. Um, and uh, runs to what I would call the the back end of the lot, goes over a fence, never to be seen again. Correct. All right, and this is and you didn't find out this, so you found out this right after Sean calls you, telling you that she's missing. Um, Friday. This would have been Thursday that mm. she was last seen. Thursday morning. All right. Sean called me Friday night at eleven. Wow. On, so like on May the so like four uh, so like thirty six hours later is when he finally called you. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. He, he, he could have called the house. We had a phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't. Yeah, he waited until I was at work, and then he called me. Okay. Let me just ask you some questions. And I realize that you were not keeping a 24-7 surveillance on your daughter, but would you say that it was common for her being that you know that this cab picked her up at this local casino only a few blocks away, was it common for her to go to the casino by herself? No. So that was a a unique um, situation. Okay. And being that she she showed up at your workplace at 5.30 in the morning, how many times would you say that she showed up uh, to see you at work maybe over the, the six months before that? Uh, none. None. Zero. No. Any zero. zero. Okay. Any idea why she would have um, gone to? Do you think that she thought you were working that morning? Is that a possibility or or not? Think she had yes. Um, I, she thought I was there. I don't know why. She knew I wasn't going to be there, but in mm-hmm. her state of mind, you know, she just it was the closest, most available. Her and Sean had been arguing. She ended up at the casino. Yes. All right. Do you have any idea? About 5.30. Okay. Do you have any idea how she got to the casino, or do you think she walked? She walked. It was only like three blocks from her house. Okay. So she could have done that. And what time do you estimate that she got to the casino uh, on on very early May 5th? Any ideas how long, uh, what time she got there? About 30, All right. All right, so she gets there at 12.30 after having this argument with Sean. She's there for some hours, and we'll get into that in a moment. And then she gets a taxi over to where you work. It ha- she happens to get the taxi of the same company that you work for. She shows up there. Uh, she's acting a little crazed. 
she knows the people there. They know her, but she's not making a lot of sense. Uh, she breaks her shoes. She runs off in her bare feet to the back of the lot, jumps a fence on the edge of the lot, and, as, and is never seen again. That's how you understand it. Okay. And then you don't hear from her, of course, on May 5th. After this happens, you get into May 6th, which is that Friday. And then that night, Sean calls you and tells you that Jennifer is missing. He thinks that she's in uh, a river, and I guess there is a river that runs through Reno? The Truckee River. Okay. So, and... And at that time, time, the Truckee River was flooded. It was. Okay. Yes. All right. So it was uh, had a lot of water in it and had a swift current. Okay. And we'll keep that in mind. So he tells you this. And then right after that, your coworkers tell you this story that we've just gone through. And so what do you do next? Do you call the police? Do you call try calling her phone? Wh- what do you do next? Carla? Um, I start calling everybody. I started calling the jails. I started calling all the hospitals. I started calling the morgues. I started calling um, just jails. I did that every night. Mm-hmm. Every night. I would call the morgue. I'd call the hospitals, all the hospitals, um, mm-hmm. the Northern Nevada Mental Institute. I called them. I called and called and looked and looked and nobody was doing anything. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't understand why. Okay. Things just went really fast. Yeah, I bet. I bet. At what point did you call the police and file a missing persons report? Um, I could not do that because she was married. And Sean went and filed one on uh, Tuesday, May the 10th. But then I found oh. out that he had actually gone and tried to file one on Friday afternoon, May the 6th, mm-hmm. which would have made about eight hours before he called me. Right. Okay. All right, so... I had so... to drive by my house to go to the police station, but he had not called me and mm-hmm. asked me if I had seen Jennifer, talked to her, anything. He went to the police, and they would not let him file the missing persons report because it had not been... Long okay. I don't yeah. know when he's going to be Yeah, we hear that a lot. Actually, that's just something police make up so they don't have to do paperwork. There's no law keeping somebody from filing a police a missing person report at any time. That's just something that they come off with off the top of their head because they don't want to do do the work. Okay. So he so. All right. So she disappears on May 5th. Sean goes to the police on May 6th. Is not allowed allegedly. To not allowed to fill one out, and then he calls you after that. Correct. Okay, and but then after it gets, uh, of course, it May sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. We get to that Tuesday is finally when and uh, the report was actually filled out. Yes. Okay. So what did the police now, do? I've been trying to. I've been trying to talk to Sean every day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he would answer me. Sometimes he wouldn't. Most of the time he wouldn't. But he did come by and see me on May the 10th. And he had just left the police station. So actually it was, well, I'm just thinking. Okay. And he had flyers that they had given him to print up to pass out. And as we were standing there talking, he got a phone call. 
and it was his mother. And he said, yes, Mom, I'm going to send you the shot record, and I'm going to send you his birth certificate this afternoon and fax it to her. And he seen the puzzled look on my face because this was in Grass Valley, California, and he sent an Isaac shot record and birth certificate to his mother, and he said, I'm giving her temporary custody so she can put Isaac in daycare. I said, why? He said, I need a babysitter. He had three babysitters right there in town. Including you. Including me. That never made any sense to me whatsoever. All right. Well, I just babysitter right. for the whole weekend. All right. We'll get we'll get uh, we'll get into that. Okay. All right. So you finally see him on that Tuesday. That's when that report gets filled out. But just to be clear, before he ever called you to see if um, Jennifer ended up at your house on May fifth or or early May sixth, he went to the police first before he ever called you. Yes. All right. So it's possible that Jennifer could have been your at your house the whole time, and he wouldn't have even known because he didn't call you. Yes. And and, and what it was. Go ahead. And I guess where I'm going with this is that he could have been going to the police for no reason because she could have been at your house the whole time. Yes. And he um, also when he did go to the police, and I had contact with the police. They wanted to know why me and Jennifer were fighting. And I said, what did you mean? I think we weren't fighting. And they said that Sean said that me and her had been arguing and she was mad at me and looking for me. At this time, he didn't know she had gone to the cab company yet. Oh, okay. All right, so the police um, get this paperwork. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that they gave some of these flyers out to some of their patrol people. Uh, cruising around. So let's just move on to this uh, next part. First of all, we have to understand something. Um, how far is it from the the cab, the taxi office where she was last seen, where you worked, to where they lived? How far is that? About a mile. About a mile. Okay. So she could have, I'm not saying she did, but she could have walked it. Oh, yes. Because she could have cut up Moana. Avenue and then went up to the mall and cut through the mall. And uh, when she came out at the corner of Mall on Virginia and Plum, she's uh, she's a block and a half from her house. Okay. And maybe, I don't know if we want to get into the exact address, but what street did Sean and Jennifer live on at the time? Oakhurst Avenue. Say that again. If you could say that again, please. Oakhurst. Avenue. Oakhurst Avenue. Thank you. And what street was the taxi company on? Gentry. Okay. All right. And I'm sure people, I'm, I'm probably going to uh, do at least a map and maybe a little video on this so everybody can understand it as well. But if anybody wants to look it up for themselves, now they have those streets. Okay. So let me ask you this. Being that uh, she leaped over this fence or leapt over this fence, uh, on early May 5th, any believable sightings of her that morning after that time? Anybody see a woman walking in bare feet, walking the streets of Reno, Nevada that morning, that afternoon at all, to your knowledge? No. None. Okay. All right, but it's only a mile. It's early in the morning, but Reno is a little bit of a 24-7 town, not as much as Vegas, but kind of. Okay, but it's only a mile. Um, did she happen to have her phone with her? Did she have 
a purse with her? Did she have anything with her that the people in your office remembered uh, from that night, seeing seeing her with anything? Um, no phone. They said maybe she had a shoulder purse, a black shoulder purse. When I first asked Sean, he told me she didn't have no purse, no nothing with her. And then he said, well, maybe a small pocketbook. Because I asked him if she had her medicine. He said she didn't take nothing to put it in. Then he said maybe a small pocketbook. And then um, that changed over time to us. I don't know if you want me to tell you now, but it said that she had a duffel bag packed full of clothes, and that's only Sean's story. The first story that I could find to that came up a year after Jennifer was missing, and I was not in Reno at that time. And also, the the police would not take any statements from me because Jennifer was married and Sean had the right, not me. Right. Okay. We'll certainly touch upon that in a little bit. But you did say, though, that Jennifer, did she own a cell phone at the time? She didn't have it with her. What do you remember about that? Have it with her. She didn't have it with her. Was that common for her to leave the house without her phone, to your knowledge? Uh, yes, she was forgetful. Okay. All right, so we can't even uh, use any ping information or anything like that uh, to try to find out where she was after she was at your ta taxi office. Well, um, one detective, he was working on the ping thing of the cell phones because that's what he liked to do. But he got sick and he had to uh, quit. Mm -hmm. And nobody else bothered to follow up on it. Still to this day, Ed, it's been over, it's been 5,577 days and nobody has went back and questioned Sean Ross. Okay. Nobody's done anything. Okay. But we just... And for, I guess what I'm saying is had she had her phone with her and it was, would have been on, that would have been certainly helpful. True. Sure. Um, now, when she calls her father, she calls her father from the Peppermill Casino. That, um, several stories will say that she calls from a stranger's phone. She calls from a payphone. She calls her dad. She called her dad uh, while she was at the, 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 the casino that early morning. Yes, right before she went out and got in the cab. Okay, I didn't. Uh, this is—I don't know if you told me this or not. I don't have it in my notes. What did? What was the content of the conversation? Um, I don't know exactly what she said. All she told me is that she was drunk, and he told her she was drunk. Go to bed and call him later, and hung up on her. Her dad hung up on her. Yes. Okay. But she even, I'm sure, made her more distraught. Right. Okay. All right. So maybe there's a little bit of a pattern there, uh, Carla. She tries to call her uh, father. He says, you're drunk. Call me in the morning. Hangs up. And then maybe she goes looking for you. Maybe, you know, that's what she was trying to do. That's what she did. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Let's talk about the casino a little bit. Uh, somehow she ended up there. I guess it's believable that she could have walked there. Um... Any video that that the police or anybody knows about um, that has her being that she went missing and somewhat knew it fairly quickly within 36 hours. Casinos usually keep video stuff for a long time because they're always looking for cheaters and, and you know they keep it much longer than uh, let's say convenience stores do. Uh, any video ever gotten for the night slash morning that Jennifer was there? No, I tried. I tried on the following Tuesday, 
when I found out that nobody else was doing anything, I went to the casino and I talked to the cocktail waitress that served Jennifer because I wanted to know how she got so intoxicated with no money. Mm-hmm. And um, then I went and talked to security and asked them if they had any tape of her being there, what she was doing, who she was with, and then leaving the casino. And first they said they had some and they would pull it. And then when I went back, they told me they had lost it. They lost it. That's what they told me, yes. Okay. And I talked to the head of security at that mm-hmm. time at the company. That's so strange. Okay, and they were aware that she was your daughter and that she was missing. Yes, because everybody wanted to know why the police weren't there. Because they don't want to come, so I'm here. I'm her mother, and I want to know. Mm-hmm. They might mm-hmm. not have time, but I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And did okay. So that just uh, as I'm sure a lot of people are going to think that just doesn't sound right, and it doesn't sound right. I'm not. I doubt they told I you agree. the truth. Uh, I, I doubt. And what's the name of the casino? Peppermill? The Peppermill Casino, yes. Okay. And then uh, the, the um, detectives went, I guess, like 16 days later after they brought the dog out. They brought a dog to the cab company, and it, they took it to the back of the fence. It followed Jennifer Sant. There's a little walkway because there's a mobile home park right behind it, but in between there's a fence for the mobile home park and then there's a fence for the cab company and a little walkway. Once Jennifer jumped that fence, there was no choice for her to go. Now we're back out to her. She would have had to take a left and it would have went and come straight back up on the other side of the cab company from where she jumped out and the dog tracked her, tracked her up to there to the street, back to the street. And that's as far as they went? Yes, it had been 16 days. And right. they said the only reason the dog picked up any sentence is because it had been in in between two close, you know, buildings that were close together. Right. Right. Okay. Now the the cocktail waitresses told you that uh, they do did remember Jennifer, and did they say that there was some guy there putting drinks in her? Yes, I talked to one cocktail waitress. Her name was Judy. She said that um, the only thing she could tell me was that there was a man tipping the bartender very well. Because Peppermill is known for cutting you off if you get intoxicated. And from what I was told, my daughter was pretty intoxicated. Okay. Um, so I went and talked to the bartender. His name was Chris, and he told me the same thing. He said, you know, when she was just sitting there, that he was getting paid, and she was getting drunk. Okay. Was this guy uh, ever identified? Is anybody, does anybody know who this guy is? No. That's another reason I wanted to take, to see if I knew him. Sure. But they uh, didn't have no tapes. Did they ever give you a description? Older guy, younger guy, um, uh, skin color, uh, anything like that? Uh, well-dressed. Um, they said probably about 40, 45-year-olds. Um, white men. Okay, does that, does that, uh, <laughs> does anybody come to mind who fits that description? No, and the bartender also told me that the man stayed there for a few more hours. He didn't leave when Jennifer did. Okay. All right, so that may be, uh, might be nothing. We just don't know. Okay. All right, so, um, she just, uh, we've, of course, all the listeners have heard it to this point. Uh, 
the the disappearance, all the facts so far. Now let's talk a little bit more about Sean. Of course, he ended up ta- calling you like 36 hours later after she was seen at your work. Um, and he claims that he tried to do uh, make a police report that day. It was unsuccessful. No, he, he didn't tell me. He did yeah. not tell me that. Okay, he didn't tell you that, but we know that now. I'm just saying we do, we know that now. But yes. uh, but you did say, though, uh, this is this whole thing about Isaac and his Sean's mother about getting somebody to take care of Isaac, even though you lived in Reno at the time, and there were, I guess, other people that could have taken care of Isaac. Did you tell me that Sean took a trip to Grass Valley, California, after after Jennifer disappeared? Yes, she took it on May the 8th, Mother's Day. And he went early in the morning. He told me this himself. Um, mm-hmm. And he went to his mother's house, which was highly unusual in itself because when Jennifer and Sean and Isaac would go up there, they would stay at his grandmother's house mm-hmm. because... Jennifer and his mother didn't get along. All that, or she she looked down on my daughter because she took her top off for a living. It didn't matter that her husband and her son, you know, showed the lights and did all that the sound for these shows. It mattered that my daughter took her top off, so she would not stay at Sean's mom's house. Okay. When so I, you... I found it kind of surprising that he took Isaac's. Okay. Knowing when... that it would make Jennifer mad. When you took, when you saw him or talked to him, I should say, on May sixth, did he ever tell you that he was going to go to Grass Valley, California, two days later? No, I found that out on May the tenth when he came from the police station. Okay, so he told you that. So uh, Grass Valley, California, how far is that from Reno, Carla? How, how many hours would you say? Uh, it's just like um, I want to say sixty or seventy miles. Not very far. Yeah, not far at all. Okay. That's for Sean Mitchell. Okay. All right, so he takes, and so Isaac, he took Isaac there? Yes. And how long did Isaac stay with, uh, in Grass Valley, California, with Sean's mother? Um, for most of May, sometime around the end of May, Sean went to a... He just needed a break, so him, one of his friends, and Isaac went camping to one uh, state park in California up there off Interstate 80, but I can't remember for the life of me which park is there. I keep wanting to say Yosemite, but okay. I'm just not sure. Okay. So Isaac stayed, so Sean essentially lives by himself for most of May of 2005. Yes. Okay. Did you also tell me that he took off some work days? And that, this wouldn't have been May. This would have been June. Okay. They stayed by himself most of the time. I know, May. You're right. I'm sorry. May. Okay. Um, so, uh, yes, I I'm was just... told that he. I was told that Sean did not go to work on the night of Thursday, May the fifth, Friday, May the sixth, Saturday, May the seventh, and I want to say. For the next, I want to say I told him he missed five days, missed but I do know that he missed the entire weekend. Right. But I do know that I think stayed at the babysitter. Sean told me that he didn't pick him up and take him back to the house. Okay. Have you ever talked to this babysitter? No. All right. Just to get an idea of why he said he was taking off work, maybe he was going around driving around trying to find Jennifer. Maybe. 
maybe. But um, he didn't volunteer that information. Okay. I believe one of the detectives told me several years later. That he took off those days of work? Yes. Okay. So she goes missing on early morning of the 5th, and already that night, allegedly, Sean took off work the 5th, the 6th, the 7th, the 8th, the 9th. Of course, he would have been in Grass Valley, California. You can't go to work while you're 60, 70 miles away. So he 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 took uh, he was gone for, from his work for like almost a week. Pretty much. Okay, and then you saw I him. And then you saw him on Tuesday. Correct. Isaac was not with him. Right. Isaac was with his mother in Grass Valley. Okay. When you and saw I Sean, did not know, please. I did not know that uh, he had even gone to Grass Valley till that Tuesday. Right. When you saw Sean on Tuesday, and now we have to remember, maybe remind the listeners, when he called you on the 6th, his first opinion on, on talking to you was that Jennifer's missing, she might be in the river. When you talked to him on Tuesday, was that still his opinion? Did you ask him, you know, what do you think happened? Was that still his opinion, or did it change? Um, it, he didn't say that. He just said that uh, he didn't understand, you know, and then that's when... Uh, more that she was mad at me and screaming. That, um, but no, he told me that they had gotten in a fight, mm-hmm. and so she left to go to the pepper mill. And uh, he said he tried to stop her at that time, but uh, she insisted, so he just told her to go. Mm-hmm. And then he said he'd never seen her again since anything. Okay. All right, so he didn't really, uh, he didn't bring up the river again. Once again, I realize it's been 15 years. But when you saw him on that Tuesday, no. did the river ever come up again? No, it was more the focus on Isaac and why he had done what he had done. Okay, all right. Did it's concerning the... to give an Isaac to his mother. Right, okay. Um, to your knowledge, uh, has Sean ever been given a lie detector test in regards to Jennifer's disappearance? Yes. How do you know this? How do, who told you this? And how do you know this? And do you know what the results are? The detective. Yes, he failed the test. The detective told me. That's even in a Dateline story. Um, and he was scheduled to go back and take a second lie detector test. I did not know that until, like, last year. And he just blatantly didn't show up. And they never bothered to go look for him. Never. Not one time. And also, Sean, he got rid of my daughter, one of my daughter's cars. My daughter had a Volvo, which was in the shop, in a van. Mm-hmm. And before the police went to the house, Sean got rid of the van. Well, we don't know. Well, you're going to have to give us a date or how long after she disappeared. How long after did she disappear did that happen? Before uh, May the 11th. Because when the detective went to the house, there was no van. So sometime between May 5th, when she disappeared, and May 11th, he got rid of her vehicle. Uh, it was the van. What did happen to the van? He said he just sold it because it didn't run and he needed the money. And I said, did y'all look at the van? They said, no reason to. It didn't run. I said, yes, it did. I said, I've got pictures of Isaac in the van two weeks before she went missing. And they didn't. They said, no, it didn't run. 
he showed us pictures where it had tires, leased up around the tires. I said, they always had leased in New York. I said, the van did run. I said, why will you not find that van? Mm-hmm. Nine years later, they nine years later they found it when they looked for it. First, it took them an hour to find it, but mm-hmm. it had, Where was according it? According to Scott Johnson, the detective I had at that time, he told me it had been crushed like uh, a week before. We oh, when was it when was it crushed? Um, this would have been it was nine years to two thousand and fourteen. Okay, he found. Scott Johnson found it in California, and they said they had crushed it, scrapped it, like a week before, is what he told me. A week before he found it is when they, they crushed it. Yes, a week before he, anybody even searched for it. Mm-hmm. Nobody would even bother to look for it. Okay. The city oh. of Reno has not given my daughter any justice whatsoever. Oh, I, 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 I mean, that. Sean tells the lie detector test, disappears, mm-hmm. nothing. Okay. And I didn't find out that he failed the lie detector test until, um, I say she was gone four years. Okay. So what you're also saying is if he got rid of it by uh, May 11th, he sure didn't waste a lot of time. I mean, we have to remember that he was in Grass Valley, California, California for part of that time. And uh, he, it very well could have been that he could have, you know, that Jennifer could have been found somewhere alive or she could have come back. And what was he going to tell her? Hey, I'm sorry, sorry, honey, but I got rid of your van. Yeah, that didn't even cross my mind. There was more of my concern. What was she going to tell her about giving temporary custody of right. her son to his mother? That's, that's a very good point, too. Okay. That was on my mind. Right. Okay. He also told the police, when he went to report her missing, he told the police that she ran off like this all the time. She does this all the time. Why is this the only time he's ever gone to the police? And within 36 hours of her being gone. That was, you know, that's when I didn't even realize all that, you know. things just When something like this happens to you, it takes you to a whole other level, another level of your brain thinking. You don't lose... Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Little things have to just start being. Okay. Now, Sean did finally get a divorce, though, from Jennifer. When did that happen? <laughs> and, you know, you said it's easy to get married in Las Vegas. I want to know how come it's so easy to get divorced. Yeah, it is. He filed for the divorce three months after Jennifer went missing. So roughly... And was granted the divorce in December of 2005. So eight months after she went missing, he was divorced. And they also found letters in the house. There was two notes. First, they said there's just one. Um, and this, a long time ago, they had blood on. They told me that Sean told them that Jennifer was mad at me and searching for me and that uh, she had wrote stuff on their walls and all this other stuff. And... Uh, the notes designated who could see Isaac and who got her possessions and stuff like that. Now, I had stuff in their garage, my baby books, you know, just things that I could not replace. Sean wanted me to get those things out of the garage, and I said I will. But every time I tried to call Sean, he would not answer my phone calls or meet me when he said he would meet me. Um, just a little thing. So... And then he called me and told me he's going to have a garage sale because he has to get rid of Jennifer's things to make room for a new roommate. And I said, Sean, I've always had roommates and Jennifer's things are still there. 
So that didn't make much sense to me either. Did you ever get those things? I did not get one thing. I snuck up on someone one day because, like I said, he just kept blowing me off and blowing me off and would never keep our meeting. Um, I was walking to the cab company down Virginia Street, and Oakhurst was just a block over, so I just decided, and it's only a block long. I decided I would just step over there just to see if he was home. It was my lucky day. He was standing on the porch. That is the day that he gave me a picture that he had took of Jennifer on her birthday. That was the last picture I ever took of her. Um, and that was the last time I seen my grandson, or son. I called him a couple of weeks later, asked him what we was doing for Isaac's birthday. He said he just going to have a small get-together with a few family and friends. And I said, I understand. I said, where? He said, well, he said, it's going to be my family. When was the last time you saw Sean and Isaac? Um, when I snuck up on him that day, about uh, the end of uh, June, I guess. It was it was just right before Isaac's birthday. What year? Oh, 2005. You haven't seen your grandson in over 15 years? No. No, I sure haven't. I found him last year on Facebook. Mm-hmm. That upset Sean. Yeah, because um, yeah, Isaac would be 18 now. He just turned 18. And he now has a son. Uh, okay. I found I haven't got to see him. Okay. Uh, so are you still, I mean, he's 18 yeah, now. Yeah, of course, uh, he's an adult by every just about any standard. Um, are you going to keep trying to contact him? Do you think that Isaac knows uh, about his okay. mother and how she disappeared? Do you think he knows all those things? We have contacted him. Last year when I found him, um, Isaac got some of it. And I guess Sean had been telling Isaac that Jennifer had run off with some man because um, he told him on Facebook, in some place I have this screenshot of it, uh, he told um, Sean, he said uh, well, I had talked to him. He found out about the lie detector test, and he told Sean that uh, he said you've been lying to me. He said you told me that my mom ran off with somebody for the first um, for the last eleven years. He said that for the last two years. He said you've been telling me she's dead. He said so now I really want to know what it is. He said I have the right to know and so does her mom. I won't be going home until you take the second lie detector test. This see, I didn't find out till last year that Sean had a scheduled appointment for a second lie detector test. Mm-hmm. I'm just bothered to go. He left town. All right, so I, I let me just uh, let me just keep this really simple. I know it got a little confusing there. Your in, your impression then is that for most of Isaac's life until recently. He was under the impression that his mother ran off with another guy, and it's only been within the last couple of years that he's found out that there's no proof of that. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. I could, now, Ed, I'm gonna. I could even have it backwards. He could have told Isaac that she was dead for the first twelve years. Told him that uh, she ran off with another man because, but Isaac did say you lied to me. Right. He said why. He said, that is the mother of your child. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Those are Isaac's. And Isaac got emancipated from his death. Do you uh, have a screenshot of that, Carla? Of what? Of this this, oh. uh, this 
thing that happened online that you said that, that Isaac wrote? Yes, but I have to go find it, Ed, and I'm not very phone smart. Okay. It's either on my driver and some of my files. I will share that with you, though. All right. We, we, would, like, we would certainly like to see that. Now, the listeners should know that uh, we're doing this interview on August 11th, 2020. This episode's not going to come out to the 21st. So you have about 10 days uh, to get that to me because I'm sure the listeners and myself would like to see uh, what Isaac wrote you know, to his father, whatever he posted somewhere for everybody to see. Would like to see where he claims that his father lied to him. I think that that would be important. You could... I will get that to you, I promise. All right, great. Okay. Um, but um, since 2005, what has – I'm not saying – maybe you were, but – uh, did Sean get married again? Uh, did he have any more no. children? Anything? No. Sean has not had, uh, I don't guess, I'm assuming, a long and meaningful relationship. Now, um, I'm on my eighth detective, and so, you know, dealing with all these other detectives, their level of what they do. Um, the detective I have now, Ben Rhodes, after the coronavirus pandemic, he, and my I think for the last 16, 15 and a half years, I know, 15 years, I'm sorry, he finally put all of the notes and files from the other detectives mm-hmm. all together, and then he, now I don't know, that's all, that's all they've done. Um, the last time I talked to him, he had not bothered to read the other seven detectives' notes, and they were all just thrown in a box, so nobody's ever took the time to... But, you know, to see what has gone on over the investigation. But I do know that not once have they went and tried to pursue Sean. Um, mm-hmm. What you're saying is, I, to, your knowledge, to your knowledge, the police have not talked to Sean in a long time. No, not since they gave him the lie detector test, scheduled him an appointment to come back. They have not seen him since. And I do know that he has not called one time to check on the status of his wife's case. Not one time. And um, okay. he he cannot stand me. Mm-hmm. I'm his worst nightmare. <laughs> okay. Now we have to say that we have to state something though. All right. And I know that we've uh, we've just spent a lot of time talking about Sean and everything you know he's done and and uh, of course the divorce. And him not calling you for 36 hours and going to Grass Valley, California, and and there, you know, and all of that. Okay, but we have to put this on the record. For the record, is there any proof that Jennifer ever made it back home that night? No. All right. Any proof? So nobody saw her walking or anything else. Nobody neighbors saw her. Nobody saw her walking up to her house. Nothing like that. Okay. I just want to make sure for the record. That is correct. Okay. All right. Let me, uh, let's me let move on to a couple other things. I know a lot of people are going to be thinking about Sean, but once again, we want to state for the record, although it does seem that maybe he did some suspicious things. He does admit that he and Jennifer were, had a fight before she left to go to the casino, even though that we know that the relationship was not good, even though we know that uh, he filed for divorce just a few months later and got that divorce later in 2005. For the record, nobody ever saw Jennifer back at her home that night after she was seen at the taxi company. Now, you had talked to me about um, a couple other possibilities. I don't know if we want to get into the full names of these people, but you had given me the name Marcus and another guy 
who knew uh, Jennifer somehow. Maybe they were were the ones selling her the cocaine or whatever. Um, what can you say uh, a little bit about them? Because we had talked about them as you know maybe being uh, possibly involved in her disappearance as well. Um, they first, the, the police first speculated that I myself talked to Marcus and the other guy. The other guy was a family friend. Um, I never really questioned him. But the Marcus guy I had to wonder about, and I called him, and I talked to him myself, and, um, mm-hmm. I don't believe, I, I believe that Ted maybe... That's why Jennifer went to the casino that night, was hoping to run into him because that was where he hung out. And when, you know, sitting there all night long, he doesn't come by or I don't know what she did at the casino, whether she walked around and looked or whatever, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who is this? Who is Mar- this, Marcus? Was this a guy that was involved in drugs? I believe so, yes. All right, and how did, yes, I, how did you I even? I believe so, I'm sorry. Yes. All right, how did you even know about Marcus? Jennifer told me. She did. And she told me everything. All right, and how did you have his phone number? Um, how did I get his phone number? I really, okay. I really, probably from, uh, I really don't know. Okay, probably well, from one of my sons. All right, if you can't remember, that's fine. Son, I think my son was friends. I believe my middle son was friends with him, and I believe I got it from him. Okay. And when you how oft, how soon after Jennifer disappeared did you talk to him? Do you I know it's been fifteen years, but just a rough estimate. Within he was one of the first persons I called. Oh, uh, what was he? Okay. Yes. Was he even aware at that point that Jennifer was missing? No. Wasn't aware at all. Not at all. Okay. Did not know that he'd even been considered a suspect by the police. And plus the police picked him up and questioned him. After I did. Okay. All right. Uh, to your, do you have any idea where Marcus lived? And we have to remember, she didn't have uh, a cell phone. She, maybe she could have found a payphone like she did when she called her father uh, from the casino. Maybe she found a payphone. I think that'd be easier to find back then than they are now. Maybe she could have called Marcus. No proof of that, I guess. But how far did he live from let's say, the taxi company, do you even know? No, I don't know. I never met the man. I only spoke with him on the phone. Okay. And who was this other person? Uh, the, you said this family friend. Maybe you can just use his first name. Who was he, and and why might he be considered to be a, a person of interest in her disappearance? Because about, uh, well, right before she went into uh, Nine West, they had been dating for about eight months, and his name is Eli. All right, so she had another guy, even though she was still married, still living with Sean. She had another guy, Eli. They were separated. They were separated. Sean had the girlfriend. I'm not pointing the finger. I'm here to judge. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, even though that she and Sean were still in the same under the same roof together, she was finding time to be with another guy. Yes. Okay. All right. And do you think this was uh, somewhat serious, or you know, how do you feel about it? Uh, I think they thought it was going to be serious, you know, for a while. He even came 
more than one occasion. They got along fine. He got along with the baby. And then they just stopped seeing each other. Too much jealousy, I think, and insecurities. Okay. All right, so we have uh, this Eli. I, I have to ask, do you think that, I mean, how close did he live to that area? Do you think that she would have called him, you know, looking, you know, she's fighting with Sean. She doesn't want to go home. I have to say, if she was in a relationship with this guy, it makes it very highly probable that she would have called him. Um, true, but she didn't. She didn't have a phone. And he lived uh, like 10 miles away, I guess. He lived a long ways away, too far to walk. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, once again, though, just he, he, I guess there's no proof that – did he live by himself? Did he have roommates? Do you have any idea what his living situation was at the time? He had roommates. All right. Okay. All right, so we have this Marcus guy who she knew um, from maybe her her – occasional drug use and then we have this other guy who it sounds like you said she'd been seeing for like eight months nothing wrong with that if she and sean are going to get divorced but it does open up the idea that uh that is somebody she could have run to if she didn't want to go home that morning just i think that makes a lot of sense i don't think that that i'm saying anything crazy there um i see me last okay we like it on the children Excuse me? Eli didn't really want no children. Okay. All right. So we have this uh, young woman um, acting erratically, uh, jumps over this fence, never to be seen again. Nobody saw her running the streets or walking the streets that that morning. Um, any? Has there been any new breaks in the case? Uh, maybe I should ask you this. Uh, at some point, uh, did somebody collect your DNA? Is your DNA on file, Carla? Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. And then they had it. Yes. Um, Reno collected it, and then I lived in Salt Lake for a while, and the Salt Lake police came and collected it as well. Okay. They thought they had the body. They didn't tell me this at the time, but they had a body, and they needed uh, the biocardial DNA, which they had not took the first time they had. Mm-hmm. Took my DNA. Okay. So there hasn't been, at least to your knowledge, and of course the police are under no obligation to tell anybody anything, but to your knowledge there's been no breaks in this case essentially since she went missing. No. Okay. I always ask uh, family members who are guests of the program, uh, and it was a tough question to answer, but uh, what has this been like the last 15 years? Like a nightmare that don't go away. A wound that can't heal because it it can't heal. I don't know where my daughter is. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, it's difficult. I have to have some hope. But after so long, you have to. You don't really lose all your hope. But then at the same time, your heart would tell you if you're a mother. And my heart tells me that my daughter is dead. Now, I believe she died on the morning of May the 5th. I believe. Okay. Now, you lived in Reno at the time. You do not live in Reno anymore. Not important where you live now. But was that difficult 
to move away from that area, you know, knowing that she was still missing? I mean, was that a hard choice to make, or you know, what what happened there? Oh, it's very hard. Um, I was the only one that uh, pursued to the search for Jennifer. It was, uh, yes, it was extremely hard, but I had to go. My mother was ill. I had to go to Idaho. Mm-hmm. How how long did you live in Reno after she disappeared? Um, just until August. So just about. Then I went back. You did. Okay. Yeah, I went back several times. I tried to go back every year that I could on on her birthday because she went missing. Mm-hmm. Her birthday was April the thirtieth. She went missing five days after her thirtieth birthday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. Um. Any family members still live in the area of Reno? No, we didn't have no family there. No, just you. And... She went there for her dance. Okay, and then you were there, and you worked at that taxi company, and uh, I guess you, being that you left uh, just a few months later, did you continue to work at that taxi company until you moved away? Yes. Did? Yes, I did. And uh, I'm guessing, what were those conversations like, being that your coworkers were the last people to see her, uh, what kind of those, I mean, those conversations must have been very um, strange. You know, these people that you know, that you work with, you know, they're admitting to you, yeah, we did see her, and we just really have no answers for you. Exactly. That's about what I got. Um, the, the cab company, the driver of the cab that took her from the peppermint to the cab company, she yeah. tried to raise a little sink. Um because Jennifer just got out of cab and walked away. I did pay the lady for the cab. Um, it was it was awkward. It was awkward. At that time, I was I was no longer in my right mind, and I would. I guess where I couldn't hardly answer myself. I would just bust out crying, and I would spend. I worked graveyard shifts, and so there was an empty desk with an empty phone. And when I wasn't answering my phone, I was on the other phone, calling the morgue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then this one lady finally told me, she said, Ms. Burns, she said, this is not your job. You do not have to do this. But I felt like I had to. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, right, of course. Yeah. Of course. And then I went, I, went back, I went to Idaho, and my mother passed away ten, year, 10 months later. And just... Life. I, I, I don't live back in Reno. Uh, the last time I was out there was uh, in 2010. No, it had been 10 years, so I'm sorry. I've been mistaken. I am. Um, mm-hmm. Can't even think right now. But right. I, um, it, it, I was out there when it had been 10 years. Okay. That's the last. Yeah. All right. I've not met my new detective. Like I said, I'm a the seventh detective. That's very common. Uh, yeah, disappearances that are this old, that's very common. Yeah. Jennifer Jennifer hasn't been with missing persons detectives since uh, the 16th of May. Her case got transferred to the homicide unit. Um, you had mentioned how how did uh, of course you mentioned very early in this conversation that she has three bro- brothers. How did they react to this? 
Um, at first, I just thought, you know, what Sean told him is she was just out having a good time, you know, just hoping. Um, my oldest son is devastated by it. He just, it mm-hmm. just, because they were the closest, and yeah, it just the whole family. It's just it's very hard. Yeah. And now, like most of the family, they're not. They don't. Uh, they don't support me, and I feel like it's because they don't know what to say to me. You don't have to say nothing to me. Just knowing that you're there is a support. Right. Carl, I think you bring up something very important there. Is you're right. Sometimes people don't know what to say. Exactly. You know, they're they're afraid to ask because they know if there was good news that you would have told them already, but then they have a full responsibility to ask, but then it's all right, it's bringing up a bad subject, this very sad subject, so they feel like not saying anything is the, the best thing to do. Kind of. um, for, for all the missing families out there, sometimes we like to talk about our children. We like to know that you remember yeah. that they existed. Tell us a funny story. Tell us a good thing. You know, don't be afraid to talk about her. I love her name and I love to talk about her. We don't always have to go back to May the 4th. Right. That's very interesting. That's, I think that's. A, I, mean, I don't know if we've ever touched touched upon that. You know, I've been doing this almost four years now, but I don't know if a guest has quite put it that way. It's like, don't be afraid to ask me about my son or daughter. I love talking about them, even if they're still missing. Absolutely. I love talking about them. So that's that's, that's so good. That you remember and that's so good. That's really so good. Wow. Okay. Do you have a Facebook page set up for Jennifer, Carla? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Why don't you, uh, yeah, why don't you tell the listeners right now what it is? Mission Help Bring Jennifer Casper Ross home. Okay. We will Jennifer make... doesn't know she's divorced yet either. Well, um, Given uh, given what you've said about Sean in this conversation, if she's still alive, I'm sure she's happy about it. <laughs> so, uh, okay, no matter if he had anything to do with her disappearance or not, I'm sure she's probably happy about that. Okay. Um, why don't you just give that name of the page out one more time for everybody, Carla? Missing Help Bring Jennifer Casper Ross Home. All right, great, thank you. And I will, of course... I've posted that before everybody hears our voices on August 21st. Uh, Carla, anything else that you'd like to say before we complete this interview? This one's for you, Mom. Happy birthday. My mom's birthday is August the 23rd. Um, She's very, very close to Jennifer, her first grandchild and only granddaughter. Uh, You've made her very happy, Ed. Thank you. Okay. Well, Carla, thank you for being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you for having me again. Thank you so, so much. You're very welcome, and we're going to know each other for a long time, Carla. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, great. Thank you. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Carla Brown, mother of Jennifer Casper Ross. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. Please do not forget that I've also made a video that is now on YouTube where I describe where Jennifer was that night, the route she might have taken to get home, if that's what happened, and other possibilities as to where Jennifer might have gone. 
Just go to the Unfound podcast channel on YouTube. This disappearance mainly comes down to one question. Do you believe Jennifer made it home that night? If she did, then there is only one answer as to what happened to her, and it must involve Sean. If she didn't go home that night, then almost anything is possible regarding her disappearance. She ran off and started a new life. She ran off and died like Crystal Morrison, and her body just hasn't been discovered yet. Jennifer encountered a stranger who harmed her, or she went to the home of one of the other people mentioned during the interview, and something happened. There are no facts to dispute any of those scenarios. So, how do we decide if Jennifer did or didn't make it home? Well, we have to interpret the condition she was in that night. Was Jennifer clear-headed or sober or aware enough, however you want to put it, to walk home? Frankly, I'm not sure. Jennifer was in such an agitated state, she jumped a fence instead of just walking off the property. So there's that. Also, we have to understand the time frame of Jennifer's disappearance. From the time she got picked up at the pepper mill to her jumping the fence and disappearing was maybe 10 minutes. So it's hard for me to understand why, while getting picked up at the casino, Jennifer wanted to go see her mother at the taxi company. Then 10 minutes later, while jumping the fence, Jennifer would suddenly change her mind and decide to go home. If she wanted to go home, why not just go directly home from the pepper mill? Maybe she had nowhere else to go when she discovered that her mother wasn't at work. I guess that could be a good answer. But whatever your theory is, Jennifer's disappearance also illustrates something we all contemplate. How is it that somebody can walk off and nobody sees that person? Granted, many times we don't believe the person walked off. We believe that's a lie. But we can't say those taxi employees are lying. Too many of them. They were friends with Jennifer's mother. And I believe they really tried to help Jennifer that night. What I'm saying is that it is possible for somebody to walk off and not be seen or at least people have never come forward, despite seeing Jennifer back in 2005. Why would people do that? Good question. In fact, it's as big a mystery as to where Jennifer went barefoot in the dark. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Dunsell, and you've been listening to Unfound.